Everybody, you're listening to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. Once again, I'm live on YouTube, episode two of the new and improved 10 After 7 podcast. First things first, listen, everyone on earth knows I'm the biggest Dodger fan. And if you're wondering why I got an Oakland Athletics jersey on, here's the deal. As a sports fan, across all sports, I feel it's my obligation to wear the sexiest uniforms that our world has to offer. And this right here, Kelly Green and Gold, just stood out to me. Outside of Dodger Blue, Kelly Green is nipping at the butt to be the greatest color that the earth has to offer. It's gorgeous. Sometimes the Eagles wear Kelly Green. We know the gold and green that the Oregon Ducks wear. And you bring out Kelly, and you throw it up there for what? I was a little tipsy when I bought this. But if it's $60 or less, I'm jumping at it. So yes, I got an Oakland A's jersey on. My loyalty's still with the Dodgers. If you ever question that, might want to think again. What are we going to talk about today? Quarantine has us all over the place. What on earth can we talk about when it comes to sports? So I went on ESPN about 20 minutes ago. I just wanted to see what they have on their front page. How are they feeling time? God knows Stephen A. Smith could talk about LeBron for too long. It's too long at this point. If I hear him and Max Kellerman debate anything that has to do with LeBron James, my head will explode. I never watch that show, but when I do tune in, I feel like I'm hungover all over again. So at the top of ESPN's front page, of course, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay have a 22-man all-draft rosters. The NFL draft's the big news right now. April 23rd, they're going full steam ahead with this thing. It's going to be all virtual. You got coaches being paranoid about their Zooms probably getting hacked and due. Other teams knowing what pick they're going to take, who they're going to take, who's next on their board. It's all crazy. Of coach, of, of course. Of course NFL coaches are going to be paranoid. They're the most paranoid people on earth. Think about it. Tony Dungy thought Bill Belichick and the Patriots were bugging his locker room. And I wouldn't put it past them. But anyways, I guess we could talk about the draft. Here's the thing. Always the first round's interesting. I don't care what draft it is, the first round is interesting. You get the offensive linemen that we have no idea who they are, but if your team takes one, you're definitely going to cheer like he's been the best running back for the last three years in college football. And you don't know a damn thing about the O-linemen that they just took. If he's good, you'll hear about him in three years. If he's bad, you'll hear about him in three years when he gets cut. Quentin Nelson of Notre Dame drafted a couple years ago. The Colts took him. He's on a fast pace straight ahead to the Hall of Fame. Other offensive linemen that are taken, I couldn't name one. Because they're either shitty or they're just good enough to be starting on a terrible O-line for whoever it is that drafted him. So let's be honest. The only question that's intriguing to me in this draft is Tua Tungavailoa, quarterback Alabama. He's coming off four surgeries in the last two years, and the big question is, is he healthy enough? Do teams value him higher or lower than Justin Herbert, the Oregon Ducks QB? What we do know about Tua is he had some of the best receivers that have come across college football 
in the last decade. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Waddle, they're all going to be first-round picks. How much value do you put into that? The only thing I'm looking at is before Tua got to Alabama, quarterbacks just came and went. They handed off to Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, and when Nick Saban got Tua in-house, they started slinging the football to where he broke the Alabama record throwing 87 touchdowns in his career. Their entire offense opened up, and they were able to compete at a different level than we'd seen them compete. Yeah, they got their asses kicked by Clemson, but you know what? Tua is the one that got that entire Alabama offense started. They're a new team now. They're not run heavy, at least not with him under center. I'm putting all my eggs in the Tua Tungabailoa basket. I love the draft for that reason. You can make big statements, and I'll, uh, I'm going to whiff. My buddies will never let me live down. I don't know what draft it was, 20, doesn't matter. I fell in love with EJ Manuel. Why? Because I was born on a Saturday afternoon and I watched the Senior Bowl and he looked pretty good. That's not the only thing. I listened to a couple interviews. He jumped on Dan Patrick and you know what? He was a great interview. At the end of the day though, when you're a nice guy, that doesn't always mean you're going to be a good quarterback. He was out of the league in three years. But to this day, to this freaking day, I'm still going to say he was the best quarterback in that draft. He was the first quarterback taken. The only one that you could even debate maybe who was better than him is Mike Glennon. And where the hell is that Napoleon Dynamite looking mother effer? He might be out of the league too. But I'm not going to whiff on this one. Justin Herbert had a great Rose Bowl. Yes, he did. Yes, Tua's been hurt. But Tua Tungabailoa has won everywhere he's gone. And he brought Alabama to a level that we didn't even think Alabama had in them. The greatest coach on college football's planet got Tua Tungabailoa there, benched his starter in the national championship, and said, we've got a guy named Tua Tungabailoa. I just love saying that name, clearly. I've said it about 10 times on this podcast. But he said, we got a guy that can change the whole dynamic of our offense. And an NFL team has got to look past the injuries and say, that is a franchise quarterback that I want to build my team around. If you're the Los Angeles Chargers, you better take a look. If you're the Miami Dolphins, you got three first-round picks, you definitely take a look. And if you're the Detroit Lions, yeah, you got Matt Stafford. Yeah, you're sitting at number three. Maybe you trade out of there, and whoever jumps up, take the left-handed QB from Alabama. That's my take of this draft. And I got a bet with my buddy John Serta. Let's see whose side you land on here. I gave him two quarterbacks, and I took two of my own. And the bet is, who's going to win the Super Bowl first? He's got Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz. We know what they are. And I took Dak Prescott, who's looking to get a paycheck, and I'm taking Tua. The winner of that bet gets $100. Who will be the QB out of that four to win a Super Bowl first? I like my odds. Deshaun Watson's been running for his life. His coach slash GM just traded away the best receiver in football, DeAndre Hopkins. Carson Wentz. He's also got an injury history. I think it's a good bet. Jump on my side in that one. So the NFL draft, that's really all we could talk about. We can maybe jump into the UFC. If Dana White pulls off buying a private island a week from now, 
to have fights, he's an absolute gangster. He's telling all the commissioners, watch me lead the way to get back to normalcy. I'm buying a motherfucking island. I'm putting an octagon in the middle and letting these fighters go to war. And you know who's going to be watching that? Every single person that's itching for sports right now. You included, me included. We're all going to watch if there's a private island where two people are trying to beat the living hell out of each other. That's what I have to say in the sports world right now. Tom Brady kind of controlled the day yesterday, having an interview with the GOAT, Howard Stern. I think we're going to get a new Tom Brady. For the last 20 years, he's been under the Patriots' way. And now in Tampa Bay, I think he's feeling himself a little bit. And we might see the GOAT of the NFL start to open up a bit. Howard Stern's a big move. He can get people to open up. Open form. Brady laid it out there. I still think Brady's a little bit too corporate to open up enough where we actually get to see who he is. But it'll be interesting. Maybe his press conferences. Maybe Bruce Arians has a couple beers with him. Gets him off that avocado diet. And we see a different man. I'd like to see it. When a legend speaks, you listen. On my notes here, okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to talk about it for a second. Uh, yeah, books. You're probably thinking this guy doesn't read. Here's the thing. Before quarantine, quarantine didn't make me start to read. Before this year started, I made a promise to myself that I was going to read one book per month for the entire year. I'm a little bit behind here. I started off with Chris Heron, Basketball Junkie. You've seen the 30 for 30 Unguarded. It's my favorite one. Phenomenal book about addiction. I mean, this dude lived a rough life. Second one right here, Gunslinger about Brett Favre. I'm a guy that loves the story about the person behind the helmet, beneath, you know, behind the uniform. That, that's what I'm captivated by. Brett Favre's story is pretty freaking amazing. Bet you didn't know that this guy checked into rehab in the prime of his career, got back before the season started, won an MVP. He had a very bad addiction. Painkillers, loved a good time with beers. Phenomenal book. And right now, I'm behind right now. I should have three books down already, but I'm on my third book. Uh, Play Their Hearts Out, about AAU basketball. We all know the great NBA stars come through the grassroots game. This is actually a book about a team that was built of fourth graders all the way up in high school, and none of them got to the NBA. I love the stories of the guys who don't make it. For every Brett Favre, you have a Chris Heron. For every Tyson Chandler, you have a Demetrius Walker, who this book is centered on. So I think everyone should start reading. But here's the thing. Here's my question. During quarantine, I'm adding on to this goal I have. And I want to read a book that'll move me to tears. People cry during books. I think it's amazing. Movies, I get, I get teary-eyed. Music, a couple tears will drop. I want to see if a book can make me cry. So if you have any recommendations of books that you definitely think I will cry while reading, please send them to me. I don't know if it's possible, but I want a book to move me to tears. So please shoot the books out and I will pick one up and see if I could cry to it. All right. Last things. I'm making another list. And my buddy Devin Rawl has some uh, not-so-kind words to talk about 
when it comes to this list. But reality TV football. That includes Hard Knocks, Last Chance U, Friday Night Tykes, QB1, and Devin told me to throw in two-a-days. MTV show back in the day about Hoover High School. I'm going to rank mine. And at the top of this list has to be Last Chance U. There is not a better reality football show than Last Chance U. And season one, no season one on any show, any genre of show will top season one of Last Chance U with Buddy Stevens being absolutely nuts out of his mind as a football coach. That season, he punched a ref, uh, called his entire team hillbilly thugs. They wanted to beat the hell out of him. Just, if you're looking for a train wreck of a season, you will find no better season one than Last Chance U. And every season gets better. One through four. They switched teams up, went to Independence, Kansas, for the last two seasons. Jason Brown, character. Hilarious. So you get comedy and everything there, and it's as real as it gets. My number two is Hard Knocks. That's where Devin comes into play. Hard Knocks paved the way for these shows. It's been around since, I think, maybe 2001 was one of the first seasons. We've had some great seasons. Devin's over it. His hot take, he texted me. I have a hot take. Hard Knocks sucks. It's just all hype and not even that interesting. That's fair. But Hard Knocks is number two on my list because it is the legend of these shows. Without Hard Knocks, you don't get an all or nothing with Amazon Prime. Because every time we watched Hard Knocks, we said, man, why can't they do this for an entire season? Well, Hard Knocks left the door open for that. And Amazon Prime jumped in and said, you know what? We're going to create all or nothing. I think they've had five seasons in NFL teams now, following them throughout the whole year. Devin's other comment about Hard Knocks. The lead up to who is a Hard Knocks team announcement is more exciting than the show. It's probably true. I'm always stoked to hear who's the new team. What storylines are we going to get? He said, can you remember the last season you even liked? Yes, I can actually. Last season, Oakland Raiders, the Antonio Brown Circus. Hilarious. Antonio Brown burning his feet in a hyperbolic chamber or whatever you call it. Can't find a bigger idiot and more entertaining guy than Antonio Brown at this point. Devin says, the high draft pick, the guy who's on the bubble, the white receiver, the quarterback battle. Yeah, it is the same storylines. But here's the thing about Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks has to be a top two on your list because when Hard Knocks comes around, it's not about the show itself. It's about what, what's, what's to come of it. When Hard Knocks debuts around August 7th, August 8th, that means football is right around the goddamn corner. And yes, we have been itching for football since it's been gone for six months. And when we see training camp start to open, when we hear those sprinklers, when we hear the coach in meeting rooms talking, I don't care how many times we've seen it over again. Hard knocks lets us know that football's right around the mother effing corner. So Devin, you could talk all you want about how hard knocks isn't your favorite on this list. 
But it's got to be there because it is the Babe Ruth of reality sports television. My third one on this list, QB1. Peter Berg directs it. He also directed Friday Night Lights, the TV show. One of the best out there. Follows around the top high school quarterbacks their senior year. You had Justin Fields on there. You had a douchebag, Tate Martell. You had Jake Fromm when he was a senior in high school. I think it's phenomenal. Easy watch. I think 30-minute episodes. There's been three seasons. All or nothing. Fourth on my list. Yes, because it's hard knocks, but an entire season. And then here's a sneaky one. I forgot about two-a-days. Devin could put two-a-days on his. But over two-a-days, I'm going Friday night tykes. You want to see what's wrong with youth sports in America? Please watch that show. You have batshit crazy dads thinking their third grade son is headed straight to the NFL. And they couldn't be more wrong. And when they're calling third graders a bunch of wussies, pansies, yelling at them when they're throwing up on the ground at third grade, it's hilarious. They act like it's Super Bowl Sunday every single time they bring their kid to the yard. Unreal. Friday Night Tykes, absolutely up there. That's my list. Two-a-days is last. I don't really remember it. I know it's Hoover High School. I was 14 at the time. Laguna Beach was around. The Hills was around. Priorities. That's what it comes down to. Uh, I'm going to have Devin probably jump on on the uh, iTunes version of this podcast. But thank you guys for listening. YouTube, once again, episode two of the 10 After 7 podcast. You could follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 or on Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I also want to say thanks to my oldest brother, Tommy, created a logo for the podcast. Looks freaking awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys liked it. Leave comments, likes, whatever the hell you want to do. I'll be back soon. Thanks. Woo! Go Dodgers.